turn on the microphone. So I'd like to welcome you all here today. Um, this is my final installment, hopefully for a little while. I'll turn it back over to the professionals. So, <laughs> as he's laughing at me. So, how many of you know who John Newton is? And John Newton, uh, he was actually born back in 1725. That's a name many people might be familiar with. If not for what, who he is, then you'd probably know him for what he did. John was a very interesting historical figure. He was brought up in an evangelical home in England until his mom passed away. Now, she passed away when he was seven years old. Quite an impressionable age. Um, he started sailing with his father at age 11. And at age 19, back in the times back then, he was actually forced into the British Navy. At some point along this way, he walked away from his faith. He pursued a life of arrogance, a life of sin, at a very young age. He deserted his service in the Navy. He eventually became a captain of a slave ship. His ship was called the Greyhound, and this ship of his was caught up in a raging storm while they were far out to sea. The sailors aboard the ship feared for their lives. They prayed urgently for God to spare their lives. The Lord moved in John on that day in the midst of that storm. Because of that storm, John turned his life around. He became a cleric in the church uh, in England. He became an abolitionist. He spent his time as a captain of a slave ship. He moved to be an abolitionist. He spent the rest of his life serving the Lord. Not long before John's death, he died at the age of 82. Newton was preaching, and he preached in a loud voice, My memory is nearly gone, but I remember two things. That I am a great sinner, and that Christ is a great Savior. John's name might have been largely lost to history, if not for that one life-changing storm. That hymn that we just sang, I don't know if you noticed the bottom, his name was at the very bottom of it. He wrote Amazing Grace, and uh, Amazing Grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. That storm that he was in changed the course of his life. He saw Jesus in that storm. He heard Jesus called him. He trusted. He obeyed that call. Why does it take something like a storm for us to hear a voice above that noise? Would that song, which just happens to be my very favorite hymn, would it have ever been written had not for that storm that God put him in? We have all weathered storms in this life, just like John did. Some of us are in the midst of these storms right now. And we can be sure that there are storms forming on the horizon. You think that maybe God brought that storm upon John for a reason. That there might have been a purpose behind it. 
you think that maybe God's using storms in our lives right now to build us up, to strengthen our minds, to strengthen our bodies, to strengthen our faith? Could he be trying to correct our course, as he did with John? Now, over the years, I've heard several people say, I know that God will never give me more than I can handle. I personally have a little bit of problem with that, and I think they're looking at it a little bit wrong. The truth is, God will never give you more than he can handle. It's not about you. And there is a spoiler alert here. There is nothing that God can't handle. No matter what you are facing, God is bigger than your storm. You will never have more than you can handle if you trust in the Lord. So are you leaning on the Lord to quell your anxiety, to calm you in the midst of your storms? Don't think for a moment that God is not beside you. Just look at this passage from Isaiah. And for this, i got to get my glasses on. Isaiah 40, verse 25 through 31. In whom will you compare me? For who is my equal, says the Holy One? Lift up your eyes and look to the heavens. Who created all of these? He who brings out the starry host one by one and calls forth each of them by name. Because of his great power and mighty strength, not one of them is missing. Why do you complain, Jacob? Why do you say, Israel, my way is hidden from the Lord. My cause is disregarded by God. Do you not know? Have you not heard? The Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth. He will not grow tired or weary, and his understanding no one can fathom. He gives strength to the weary and increases the power of the weak. Even youths grow tired and weary, and young men stumble and fall. But those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength. They will soar on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not be faint. He knows what you're going through. He is for you. He will not get tired. And he will not take a break while you are in your struggles. Keep your focus on the Lord. Now, there are several examples of storms contained in the Bible. Jonah was caught up in a storm. He was, at the time, trying to run from God. And we kind of know how that one ended. Was it good? But is there any doubt that Jonah learned something through that storm? Is there any doubt that God changed the direction in his life through that storm? Now, David faced a giant, and against the odds, he came out victorious. He was hunted by Saul and Saul's army. He faced rebellion from his own son. At all times, David kept his focus on God, and God delivered him in every single instance. He never lost sight of what was important. 
In Mark chapter 4, the disciples and Jesus were caught in a storm. Jesus calmed the sea. You would think they might would learn something from that. Apparently they didn't, and you see this repeatedly. The signs are there for the disciples, and they still seem to miss it from time to time. You skip later, and this is kind of where we're going. It's the book of Matthew chapter 14. And you find the disciples once again trying to cross the Sea of Galilee. They were again fighting rough seas, high winds in the middle of the lake, and they were getting very concerned for their safety. Fighting high winds and high seas can be physically and mentally exhausting. And you can imagine their frustration. These are seasoned fishermen, many of them. They know how to handle themselves on the water. They are still struggling. They're starting to come to the realization that they can no longer rely on their physical strength. They can no longer rely on their own skill in this storm. It's easy to become fearful and lose faith when we're tired. It's easy to lose focus when we're frustrated. It's easy to feel fear when we're helpless. So, and just to kind of put yourself in that boat with, imagine, just kind of imagine the shock when you look out amongst the storm and you see a figure walking towards you. That would kind of cause me a little bit of concern. So, in Matthew 14, verse 25 through 27, it states, Shortly before dawn, Jesus went out to them. He walked on the lake, walking on the lake. When the disciples saw him walking on the lake, they were terrified. It's a ghost, they said, and they cried out in fear. But Jesus immediately said to them, Take courage, it is I, do not be afraid. And maybe some of you can identify with this. Um, I used to work a rotating shift at a paper mill. It's not a fun job. And there were several night shifts when I would just get tired of, tired of being there. And I'd take a vacation day. I'd leave at some stupid hour of the morning. I'd be heading home at 1 o'clock. I wouldn't call Susan to let her know I'm coming. She would kill me if I called her and woke her up to let her know that I'm coming home. So, not about to call her. I'd be coming home early. The goal, of course, is I'm not going to wake her up. No matter how quietly I try to sneak into the house. If you have a Yorkie, you know where I'm going. They, they go into attack mode and they are ridiculously loud. She wakes up. So, Above all this barking, above the noise, above the confusion, and out of the darkness, I would always hear, who's there? And to which quickly, I might add, I would reply, it's just me. Now, aside from waking her up, this exchange does two things. And first, it would immediately calm her anxiety and her fear. There is a little bit of comfort knowing the truth of the situation, knowing that there isn't a threat. 
And second, the main reason I'd yell out is because I didn't want to get shot. She's a very good shot. So, and you'd be amazed at how fast she can go from high alert to snoring, <laughs> sleeping like a baby. But just think about that. Take courage. It is I. Do not be afraid. In the middle of a storm, they did not even recognize. How often do we not see and recognize Jesus in our own storms? When Jesus met the disciples on the waves, he immediately said, Take courage. It is I. Do not be afraid. Jesus was never blind or too removed from his disciples in their situation. Jesus knew exactly where they were, and he knew exactly when he would intervene. He knew exactly how he would intervene. He was never far away, and he never turned an eye from away from his followers. The same is true for each and every one of us today. Trust Jesus to calm your storms. Trust him to calm your storm. Now, Matthew 14, 28 through 29, continuing on in this boat. Lord, it is you, Peter replied. If it is you, Peter replied, tell me to come to you on the water. Come, he said. It's that simple. Then Peter got down out of the boat, walked on the water, and came toward Jesus. Now, two things immediately kind of jumped out at me here, and both of them have to do with trust, and they have to do with faith. Peter had enough trust and faith in Jesus to step out onto the waves. Jesus had enough faith in Peter to tell him to do that. We often expect to be delivered from these storms. from the storms in this life by the works of our Heavenly Father. And I don't think that's an unrealistic expectation, but we also need to understand that to be delivered can mean something completely different than what you're expecting. Jesus came to them in a storm. The disciples heard his voice. Only one of them stepped out in faith. What happened to the others? Where was their faith? Looking out at those waves, yeah, I, I understand fear. I don't like water myself. So I get it. I understand fear. Faith can overcome your fear. So in a way, Peter seems to be kind of testing Jesus by saying, Lord, if it is you. And still, Jesus simply said to him to come. He stepped out of the boat and into the water, and that alone is a leap of faith. In the midst of this storm, trusting in the word of Jesus, simply to come to him. So you can kind of see where Peter had to make a critical decision. He was at this critical junction in this storm. Should he continue to struggle in this boat made by human hands? Or should he turn to Jesus for help and relief? Peter decided it was better to be in the storm with Jesus and continuing to do the same things 
they were doing, which is struggling in the storm. Sometimes the greatest miracles in life happen when we are willing to step out in faith and surrender to the power, to God's power, instead of relying on our own. God has a way of parting the waters and calming the seas when we do. As it's written in Proverbs 3, verse 4 through 5, trust in the Lord in, with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all of your ways, submit to him and he will make your path straight. Once Peter stepped out of the boat, he too could walk on the water. Peter could not have done this on his own. This was Christ's power at work within him. His faith kept him above that storm. And just try to picture this. It is an incredible picture. Now, however, that's not where it ends. In Matthew 14, verse 30, we read that when he, Peter, saw the wind, he was afraid. And beginning to sink, he cried out, Lord, save me. Peter took his eyes off Jesus. Peter looked around. He saw waves. He heard the wind. He focused more on the dangers around him than he was focusing on Jesus. He needed to focus on the important thing. He needed to keep his eyes on the Lord. Fear is a construct of the enemy. The Bible makes it very clear. We are not to be afraid. Continuing in Matthew, verse 31, immediately Jesus reached out his hand and caught him. You of little faith, he said, why did you doubt? Again, an incredible picture. Just to reach out and catch somebody and pull them up from anything, you have to be firmly planted. Jesus is, you don't get more firmly planted than that, to reach down and pull him up. I found this to be very interesting, and I found it also to be very instructive, the way Jesus reacted to Peter. There is no account as to how far Peter walked. We don't know if he walked Three feet? I don't know if he walked 100 yards. That's not included. But he was held atop that water by faith. So, out of all those in the boat, Peter alone stepped out. Yet, that didn't matter. There is no participation trophy. He didn't get it. That's what you look for in life. Peter did not get a particip participation trophy, and he went farther than anybody else. He didn't get a, good job, Peter. You almost made it. He got nothing like that. He got, why did you doubt? Fear is powerful. We are expected to keep our eyes on Jesus, on his promises, and on his power. There is no prize for coming in. Not even for coming close. There is no second place. Fear can easily blind us and distract us from the precious promises of God and cause our faith to falter. 
but we are called to look to Jesus in every difficult situation, in every dangerous situation, in every distressing situation in your life. Lean on the everlasting arms. Fear and faith are simply not compatible. In John 16.33, Jesus warns his, warned his disciples and future followers that in this world you will have trouble, but take heart, I have overcome the world. When we keep our eyes on Jesus, we connect to the true source of all peace. We connect to the source of all power. We connect to the source of hope. And we also connect to the source of perspective. When we focus on the storm or any other seemingly impossible circumstance, the world can become a truly terrifying place. And that fear can be overwhelming. Faith, like hope or peace or joy, requires focus. It too can be lost or shaken if not protected. So we know that God uses trials for our growth, and he uses trials to strengthen our faith. He also uses trials and storms to guide us. He can also use trials and storms to correct us, as he did with John Newton. And if we look at Paul, we can see how he faced trial after trial. He faced storm after storm in his life, persecution after persecution. Paul was beaten, Paul was stoned, he was run out of town, Paul was imprisoned. He never once took his eyes off that prize. He never once wavered in his message to those early churches. He never took his eyes off Jesus. So how can we handle these storms in life a little bit better? What kind of storms are you going through? Are the clouds and the waves just roiling ominously around you? Are your circumstances causing you to fear? Jesus is in that storm right beside you. He is helping you. He is molding you. He is guiding you, and he is correcting you. Jesus is doing his part but you also have to do yours. I think the first thing we have to do is we have to seek Jesus in the middle of these storms. The disciples saw him out there amongst the wind, amongst the rain. But with all that distraction going on, they didn't recognize him. Just know that he is there. He has always been there. Don't just look for the big acts of mercy. Sometimes Jesus moves quietly and subtly in your life to lift you up. But next, listen for the Holy Spirit as that storm is raging around you. You will hear him. You will hear him when you pick up this book. You will hear him in the encouraging voice of a friend. You will hear him in a song on the radio. 
Jesus can speak to you in so many ways. He may reveal his presence in any way, and you just need to know that you will hear him. And this is where Susan told me I have to do a personal story, so bear with me here. But I heard that voice when I left. I had a very secure job at that paper mill. I did step out in faith to begin this new career. It wasn't an easy decision. It took a lot of prayer. It took a lot of discussion. It took a lot of time to come to this decision. I did not doubt what I was doing. I felt I was called to do this. And there's some things I cannot go into detail with. But I can tell you that as a funeral director, we sometimes get to see the results of the kind of depravity that man can visit upon others. You get to see a lot of pain. You get to see a lot of suffering. You get to witness to a lot of people going through their own storms. But at one particular, particularly disturbing point, I think I had seen too much. Um, one death too many. It was all so much that I started to get angry at myself. I started to think I made a huge mistake listening to that voice telling me to do, to move on to the other job. So this one instance I'm talking about, again, no details, but I was transporting this person to the funeral home. And it gets hard to see and hard to drive when you can't see through tears. So I had to pull over and I was praying and I was angry. I'm not going to deny that. I was starting to really have doubts about my faith. There was just so much darkness around me at that time. So pulling over, I'm praying, I'm not getting an answer. I wanted that answer. I wanted it then, I wanted it now. I got ready to pull back onto the highway. Now, bear in mind at this point, I, I listened to heavy metal. That day, I turned on the radio. It was country music. Sorry, but that does not help my mood any at all. <laughs> so I hit scan on the radio, and the first station it hit on is a station I never heard of. It was a song I'd never heard of by a band I had never heard of. There's a band, they go by the name of Casting Crowns. And the song was, uh, Praise You in This Storm. I did not listen to Christian radio. As this opening, the song was just starting. And it opened up with, I was sure by now, God, you would have reached down and wiped our tears away. That song hit at an exact moment. That song hit at the exact circumstance. When I felt hopeless, when I felt weary, when I felt lost, and when I was afraid, that song 
was the voice that I needed to hear at that time, and it absolutely changed my direction. You don't think God talks to you? He does. You just need to hear the voice, and you need to recognize it. I've listened to Christian radio ever since. It took me like three months before I heard that song again. I had no idea what it was. I had to find it. Um, but when something changes your life that greatly, when the Lord works through something in a certain way to bring you to a certain point, you remember it. And I hope you all have a story similar to this where God has gotten you through a storm. I did not see Jesus in the middle of this storm. I had my doubts. I doubted the direction I was on. I went from knowing what I need to do to absolute fear, thinking that I really screwed up. That was a huge lesson to me. It taught me to focus my eyes on Jesus, to listen for him to direct me in these storms, to rise above that fear, and he will take you there. You just need to listen. Isaiah 41 verse 13 makes it very clear. For I am the Lord your God who takes hold of your right hand and says to you, do not fear, I will help you. Finally, learn what he is teaching you in this storm. The disciples often miss that lesson. These lessons were right in front of them. I believe we have a different perspective now. I think we can see things from a different light. We are on the other side of the cross from where they were. However, we still run the same risk of missing it. Pray. Pray for clarity. Pray for guidance. Pray for insight into what God has willed for your life. John Newton looked for Jesus in that storm. He listened to what Jesus had to say to him in that storm. He learned what God's will for him was in that storm. John Newton learned to trust Jesus and accepted him as his Lord and Savior. The more times you trust Jesus in the storm, the easier it is to put your trust in Jesus. With all the storms that we face, we must remember that Jesus is in control and we can trust him with our lives and with our eternity. We must remember and know the comfort of his words. Take courage. It is I. Do not be afraid. We need to faithfully follow in our Lord's footsteps out onto that water. So what about you? Are you seeking Jesus in the midst of your circumstances? Are you listening for that voice to confidently direct you to step out onto that water, onto those crashing waves, into that storm? Are you trusting that voice to lift you above that storm? Are you keeping your focus on Jesus? Are you putting that storm into perspective? 
Are you learning? Are you growing in faith with every storm in your life? And again, are you trusting the Lord with your salvation? We are all going to face these storms. We all have to decide how we want to face them. Are we going to trust ourselves in a boat made by human hands? Or are we going to trust the Lord to carry us through that storm? And it looks like, again, I'm going to finish a little bit early. I'd like to just kind of close this in a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, it is so comforting to know that you are in control of every single circumstance in our life. No matter how seemingly insignificant, no matter how dangerous the times seem to become, no matter how distressed we are, we know that you are in control. Lord, help us to stay above these waves. Keep my heart from doubting. Your word and help, it's just an amazing place to be, Lord, knowing that you are in control of all this and in all things. And Lord, we ask that you just continue to guide us above these storms. This we ask in Jesus' name. Amen.